Uh. <laughs> get together, have a few laughs. Uh oh, shit, lady, do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? Lady, put the freaking gun down on the ground right now. Take your shot across the freaking street and say that until we get you. Hi, I'm Kendrick Martin. And I'm Josh Carter. You're listening to Where There's a Willis, There's a Way. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, what we do here is an in depth breakdown of a movie starring Bruce Willis. We'll talk about the movie both from a film perspective as well as his individual contribution. We'll add the movie to our rankings, talk trivia, and do the Wheel of Willis. You can find all of our previous episodes over at williswaypod.com. We're also part of the Last of the Action Heroes podcast network, so you can check all their other podcasts out about action movies and other action hero stars. Thank you for supporting this podcast over at anchor.fm slash willis-way. If you ever want to support us just for free, please leave us a review on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Lastly, be sure to tell everyone you know about this podcast because we all need a little more Bruce Willis in our life. Absolutely agree. If you want to go ahead and reach out to us, you can do so, and we'll read your emails on air, like now. That's right. We have an email today from Nathan, and this email is about our last episode where we covered 16 blocks, and his email says, my favorite part of this episode is when you both jumped in at the chance to talk about other media properties besides 16 blocks just goes to show how much an impact it has on you you know if you want to talk about a movie's cultural relevance i feel like if it immediately causes you to talk about a different movie not a lot of cultural relevance yeah absolutely i mean you're gonna blame us for (laughs) this being a boring movie (laughs) i don't think so (laughs) If you want to email us, you can email us at williswaypod at gmail.com. If you want to get a hold of us on social media, at williswaypod. We're on all the networks. We're on all of them. If you want to find other podcasts in the Last of the Action Heroes podcast network, there's a Facebook page. And we also have a Discord where the podcasts uh, share information. Some of them will post ahead of time when they're recording, and you can listen in and live uh, respond live chat uh we this podcast the willis way podcast does record live in there though we're not great about uh posting ahead of time when we're going to do it so it's we're kind of the speakeasy of podcasts yeah if, if you're you there you're there if you're not there you're not there yeah um but uh there are a lot of other channels on there where people hang out and share other action hero movies so feel free to check that out and the info for joining that will be in our show notes With all that out of the way, we now present to you Over the Hedge. The residents of Rancho Camelot Estates want things to be perfect. The homeowner's charter, which you signed, says the grass is supposed to be two inches and yours is more like 2.5. So they built a hedge to keep the animals out. It never ends! Whoa! Hey! It never ends that way, too. What do we do for fun? Hey, kids! Ah! Ah! What is that? 
VHA, VHT, and good old MSG, a.k.a. the chip. Dig in! Woo! <laughs> now the lines have been drawn over that hedge. They have the food. How much food? Food at the wazoo. I, I like a cookie. And the battle... I need a business listing for the Verminator. ...is on. Let's party! From the creators of Shrek and Madagascar. <laughs> I think he's dead. Oh, really? Do you, in fact, have an associate's degree from Vermtech? <gasps> well, thank you all for coming. Bruce Willis, Gary Shandling, Steve Carell. I can burp my ABCs. A, B, Z. William Shatner, Wanda Sykes, and Nick Nolte. Time's a party. You feel that buzzing in the back of your skull? Yeah. That's called a sugar rush. <laughs> Whoa! The last thing you need is caffeine. <laughs> oh, taste the adventure. Sweet cheese. Um, that's a diaper. Not a very good one. <laughs> Dress to impress. I got makeup on my butt, dude. It is bold. I like it. And join the whole family. Animals are in the house. Over the hedge. That audio was from the trailer of Over the Hedge. And now I'm going to read the description from IMDb. A scheming raccoon fools a mismatched family of forest creatures into helping him repay a debt of food by invading the new suburban sprawl that popped up while they were hibernating and learns a lesson about himself. And you can find this movie on... I watched it on Peacock. Uh, I'm not sure where other people watched it. We rented it on Amazon for like less than $4. Oh, okay. So it's it's also on VOD um, for rental. Josh, yeah. did you, is that what you did too? Um, I actually wasn't able to find it on Amazon when I looked. It was like not available. Um, so I had to use un unscrupulous mech methods to acquire mm. uh, viewing experience of this movie. You looked through your neighbor's yeah. window as they were watching it, and it, exactly, exactly. I, I was gonna say he used a library, but even he wouldn't go that low. Oh, <laughs> he yeah. Josh doesn't even know what that is. Nope. Famously, Willis Waypod. Hates libraries. Famously. As we said in our Bonfire of the Vanities episode, fuck yeah. libraries. Yeah, yes, Josh, in every episode since. Josh really hates washing machines, I think, but... Yeah. <laughs> that's a real deep pull. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it is on the Peacock, um, which I don't know if we've talked about that streaming network enough, but... I think I signed up for like a dollar ninety nine for twelve months or something when they did a special. So I have no idea how expensive it is. And there's really, if, unless you watch um, the British Premier League, which I do, there's really no reason to subscribe to it, um, unfortunately. But all that said, uh, we're going to talk about over the hedge, <clears throat> and I'll start because, like I said, I didn't have uh, the experience of seeing this before, so I don't have that personal connection this is the first time i saw it mm -hmm. uh I, I was interested in that trailer so i just we, the trailer we just heard it says it's from the studio that made shrek and uh what was the other movie that it said um madagascar 
This yeah. I believe this I liked much more than both Shrek and Madagascar. I know Shrek's like having a moment for you for the youth, but uh this movie I found its humor to be much more uh timeless. Um and I thought that because of the short runtime, it felt extremely tight and it all it worked pretty well. I mean the animation held up okay. It wasn't trying to push any uh envelopes but it didn't look super dated and the voice cast was amazing um oh yeah it's just like non-stop famous voices uh and like some of the jokes were kind of so-so and I, unfortunately i think the trailer really gave away all the best comedic moments to me for me um, yeah which really i don't know if that's for a two-minute trailer to sum up like all the best comedic moments of a movie is kind of sad on both elements, but uh, I thought that um, the 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 moments that were funny were pretty funny, and then the rest of it was was um, like a little slow, but it was it was a pretty good kids movie, and I'd probably not watch it again. But um, if you're looking for a good family kids movie, I would recommend it. <clears throat> um, let's see. Yeah. Let's yeah, Josh, let's start with you uh, because somehow I have this foreknowledge that you're the oldest of uh, the three other people here who've seen it before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what? Uh, tell me about you, like why you know why you for, when you first watched this movie and kind of like what it means to you and uh, yeah. Just t- tell me, tell me why you have reflected on it over your life. Um, great question. So I, when Kendrick asked me like way back when, Hey, you want to do a Bruce Willis podcast? One of the first things that happened in my mind was like, yes, I'll get a chance to watch over the hedge and talk about it again, because I loved this movie. When it came out, I was 11 years old, 11 or 12, somewhere in that range. And I absolutely loved it when I saw it as a kid. Um, I think we had the DVD or our grandparents had the DVD and we watched it just over and over and over and over and over again. Um, I think that there's so many quotable lines in it. I remember watching it, I think in the second like run theater um, and my dad was just cracking up at so many of the jokes, pretty much everything to do with um, Thomas Hayden Church's character who we'll get into later. Um, but yeah, I, I had a, a great time with it as a kid. And even now watching it kind of trying to take off my rose tinted glasses they are deeply rose tinted let me tell you for this movie so if you hear josh's bruce will and you think that's too high uh let me tell you something it likely is um but (laughs) i i I adored this movie so much as a kid and i was really surprised genuinely impressed with how well it had held up over the years because like kendrick said shrek is very 2001 And in some ways that works okay. And in other ways where they're talking about like contemporary stars or movies or whatever, it just doesn't land the same. Like we've seen a million Matrix parodies at this point. So when the Matrix moment happens in Shrek, it's just kind of like, okay, whatever. (laughs) It's it's an animated movie. That's not hard just to spin the camera around and freeze frame. (laughs) That's not difficult at all. Um, So I think that this movie has a lot of stuff that ages a lot better. Um, Like Kendrick said, the cast like... Kendrick said is also just absolutely amazing and I really like the soundtrack too I think Ben Folds did a great job with the original soundtrack oh, yeah. I forgot to mention um, that but that also I I was not uh, this movie would have come out when I was in high school I think uh, mm-hmm. when did it come out 2006 
Yeah, so, 2006. Yeah, I had just graduated high school, and Ben Folds was a real big deal right around that time uh, in the in like my friend group, and I <clears throat> have not listened to Ben Folds since then, and it immediately transported me back to 2006, listening to all the Ben Folds songs. <laughs> That's, that's interesting. I actually had forgotten about the Ben Folds song until I rewatched the movie, and I thought it was just a pop song that had been added to the movie for the knockoff version of a musical, so to speak. So imagine my surprise when we looked it up and Ben Folds wrote the music, because you know you listen to the second song, and it's very specific to the movie. And I wasn't mm-hmm. sure if they just got lucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, in fact, did not. No, <laughs> he definitely no. he definitely wrote it intentionally. Like "Rock in the Suburbs" is uh, is a song that he came out with, I think, in like the late '90s or early 2000s, and then they reworked some of the lyrics for this, and obviously added the William Shatner verse um, to it. So it's or bridge. I can't remember what he does in it, but yeah, it's uh, almost all original uh, Ben Fold songs, and yeah, I, th- I think they're really charming and they fit the the theme of the movie and the mood of the movie really well. Oh, in looking it up, uh, I also saw that they j- changed a couple lyrics in Rocking the Suburbs, and um, that like some of the songs were written for it, already written, yada yada. Um, but Ben Folds is a personal friend of William Shatner, and like is the one that helped him record whatever like album he released in the early two thousands, and he was like the producer for that and stuff. What? So yeah. Wow, I did not yeah. know. Wow, that's fascinating. That's something to look into. I know that William Shatner appeared on a couple of songs that Ben Folds had. Um, I just learned that today when I was doing some of the research for this movie. And I listened to him and I was expecting William Shatner to be singing because he's um, he's a distinct really? singer. Um, but he he's not best. necessarily the best. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's and good. I was really hoping for that. But no, it's more talking through like whatever weird thing. Um, yeah, it's mm, it's all right. Yeah. 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 Um, Hannah, what are your thoughts on this movie? So I also have quite a bit of nostalgia for this movie. Now, I was only four when the movie came out. Um, Yikes. (laughs) So, hey, at least, you know, you're you know that your podcast is hip with the kids. So, yeah. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, That's important to me. (laughs) I know you seem really invested in getting young people to like you. That's why you're always wearing that backwards cap. Oh, yeah. And carrying around your skateboard. Okay, all right. Now we're explaining <laughs> memes because probably the youth of today don't even know what that are. those are. <laughs> Fellow kids. Yeah, look, my um, child doesn't know what a meme is, but uh, go on. Tell me, tell me, yeah. tell me why you like this movie so much as a four-year-old. <laughs> uh, probably because I watched it so much. It's all I knew. It was that and then like a couple of other Disney movies and like, yeah, The Incredibles is a lot better than this movie, but also this movie is really funny. It's extremely quotable. Um, like, just, it's it's all the time. There are things that I quote, like, just say in real life, that going back and watching this movie, I was like, that's where I got that from. Uh, <laughs> I don't actually have a specific example. I just know it's true. Um, yeah. No, I just, I really enjoyed the, the familial... Um, aspects of it too it's very found family Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. you know kids these days love that um i enjoyed um hammy's like obvious 
ADHD. I feel like that's the first time that anybody like saw it so clearly. <laughs> and it's definitely like really extreme ADHD, but it's such a good time. Um, loved the Midwest porcupines. Loved the single father with the teenage daughter. That was so good. Anxious little Vern. Like, it's so good. It, you just, there's things in all of them that you're like, this is, this is me. I get this. Also and, can't forget Stella, who is perfect in every way. Oh, I right. forgot to write her down. No, she's perfect in every way, and we love her, and she's a strong, independent woman, but they're kind of weird about that, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are either of you guys, or Kendrick, are you guys familiar at all with the comic that it's based on? Have you read any of it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, actually. Uh, when the movie came out, I did uh, research on the Google about it, and I found out about the comic, and I actually read it for many years. Oh, wow. <laughs> How do you feel this uh, compares to the comic? Do you think it's like a pretty faithful adaptation or do you think it was a good use of the IP at least? Or how do you feel about it? Uh, it was it was sort of an adaptation where they kind of took the regular premise of it and did their own thing. So, for instance, in the comic, the only characters that were adapted over were RJ, Vern, and Hammy. And no other of those characters existed. Yeah. So... Correct me if I'm wrong, and I and I and I did a little reading on this just recently, but uh, it was like a uh, newspaper, like funny yeah. pages comic, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I remember seeing those, and and those don't really exist anymore. Like I get the, I still get the paper, a paper version of the New York Times, and they don't have them. So I feel like that's definitely something that doesn't exist anymore. But it, but for those of you listening who maybe never saw them, they were usually like three panels of a comic. Or there were a few that were just one panel, but it was not a complicated thing. It was like set up punchline closer of a joke. Um, and I think I did remember seeing some of the over the hedge uh, comic strip, but um, that's fascinating. So, yeah. uh, the tone of it was less family and more like hot, uh, hot topics for whatever was going on. So sometimes RJ and Vern would have conversations about current events or politics. And I was like, well, that's strange and not what I came here for. <laughs> uh, there was that's a very, the most notable plot I remember is that RJ's parents came back into his life when they found out about the movie Over the Hedge. <laughs> because oh that's funny. They were expecting no, like residuals or something. <laughs> uh, basically, uh, they uh, wanted to get back in RJ's good graces to get in, the, in a lot of money. Wow, that's yeah. really funny. The comics did so not have real. a fourth wall. They knew that they were in a comic and there was a writer and they had an audience and then they just did stuff. Yeah, I remember liking it, but I didn't read a ton of them like you did. Um, but the thing that I think it definitely proves is that if you have kind of really fun, distinct characters that play well off of each other, you can put them into a bunch of different styles of uh, media and make it still work. So obviously, like that is kind of a political social commentary um tool set that they're using for those characters but even translating those characters over into a children's um film it it can still work like hammy can still read and Vern still has stuff to comment on without making it social commentary or political commentary and same thing with rj like those characteristics read over so i think in that way they did a great job of um bringing the characterizations to the front because this movie could have been very MCU-ish where every single character 
can say whatever joke. You can move a joke from one character to another and it doesn't change anything. Like all, almost all of the jokes in these movies come down to the characters and how those characters would respond to those situations. And I think that that's really where a lot of the charm comes from within this movie is that it doesn't feel like it's completely overstuffed with characters and it also doesn't feel like you're really missing a certain viewpoint. Um, at least to me, it didn't feel like that because you get all of these kind of distinct sort of um, characterizations and whatnot. Um, and I, I do, I do agree with what you guys are saying too, that the comedy is super, super funny. The, I wrote down just over the course of watching it, some of my favorite lines and I had so many of them. And Hannah sat down with me for a second to watch like the last 10 minutes of it. And she was cracking up next to me. So the, the, um, kind of the jokes and stuff. I feel like a lot of them land. There are plenty that don't, but a lot of them do. Now I want to be clear, Hannah, your wife, not Hannah, the podcast guest. Yes, obviously two very different Hannahs. Or or Hannah the flamethrower, really. Um, (laughs) uh, Never mind. Um, The the jokes work well from a like a verbal sense, like they are funny set of punchline jokes, but there's also a lot of good visual gags that I thought was really, that worked really well. Um, This was like sort of the heyday for when animated movies were really kicking off like pop culture moments after Shrek was so big, they tried to like recapture that. Um, I, one of the other things that I thought was interesting is I think a good kids movie is one that can be interesting for kids, but also wink to the parents and like be funny. And I thought all the suburbia is hell stuff was really funny. And uh, I was surprised at how like anti uh, establishment the like overall narrative around how terrible living in an HOA was and uh, pro like wildlife anti anti suburbia. I thought that was all pretty funny. Um, I feel like the the general plot though is a very common one, and I was trying to figure out like there has to be a classic version of this and I just can't think of it. And I feel like the closest thing I could come up with and I, and you can't Google movies like over the hedge because then you just get a bunch of animated kids movies. But the the closest thing I could come up with was something like uh, the music man or something, but basically like guy guy is friendly and cons everybody else into helping him out to, to do a thing and then it's like oh but i love you after all like i, I don't i feel like there's got to be like the shakespeare version or something like i just i'm just like missing the classic homage that this plot is essentially doing um but i can't i can't think of what it'd be but uh the plot is that essentially yeah yeah and i i know for me at least one of the reasons I love the movie so much is because I love the plot of the music man and the music man alikes where a con man learns to have a heart. Mm-hmm. It was one, that, one of the reasons I love this movie so much, even when I was a kid, because I was really into music man and con men. Yes. Though that cost me more. <laughs> um, uh, um, I thought that the con man plot was the like thinnest part for me. And I was actually confused as to because the opening bit where uh, 
he steals the stuff from the bear, which I love Nick Nolte's bear. Um, he steals that stuff and then is like, oh, shoot, I got to get it all back. Felt like the flimsiest of reasons. Like he's a bear in a cave. Just run away from him. He's, he's sleeping for a week. Uh, that that part to me, I was just kind of like, this is the whole reason why he's doing all of this is because he's afraid of a bear that he can run away from. Um, but maybe I was, maybe that's just me being too nitpicky. I don't know. I mean, it is maybe a little nitpicky, but I do agree there should have been more setup of like what RJ is capable of, and also what Vincent is capable of. Because Vincent kind of read slightly goofy, like, mob boss, almost. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But he's just, like, one dude, so he obviously doesn't have a team, because he said that he, like, is alone, works alone, lives alone, like, type right. thing. So, right. yeah, it was, uh, I don't know, but he was a big scary bear, and we don't want to get killed by a big scary bear, and obviously RJ's very afraid of him, so there's got to be something there. Yeah, I I mean totally. Like the thing with the music man is that the the reason why it works so well is that you have um the characters like in inner um sense of morality changes based on the circumstances that they find themselves in and RJ is like he goes up and gets the food cuz he wants to survive and then he takes more food cuz he's selfish and the want to survive is not like a really interesting thing because everyone has that i think and so i think that the music man kind of excels in that area because he's just like he just wants more money and that is something where he learns that he wants something sure but he wants something different um and rj i don't think has that like sort of come to jesus moment that um harold hill experiences and so i do think that that kind of sets this movie down a little bit um so if you're looking at it from like the sense of plot and whatnot, sure, there's many things that could have been done better to neaten up everything. Like the bear could have had like a couple of mob boss assistants or whatever that would have been really fun um, or something like that to kind of show menace or whatever or write the character a little bit more menacing. A couple um, of scouts, you might say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the movie does rely more on Nick Nolte's performance and the presence and idea of Vincent more than any credible threat. Uh, like they try to build him up with the nightmare sequence, but it's more just a looming threat that's going to come back later. And and I think I think for me the whole thing was like the real the real threat is the fact that these animals don't have food because they're somehow over the winter this entire suburban complex was built and now they're they're going to die. And but yeah. then they like get all their food in I don't know a week or however long this takes place, and then RJ's like aha I stole it for you, and then they're like oh no, and I'm like well guys. You, that just took a week. You got you got another week. Just steal more food from the humans. Um, and I feel like if this movie were made today, they'd be talking more about, uh, like I don't know, the climate impact or something about how the animals are in danger because of humans. But I feel like that was sort of the B plot to, oh, I got to go get this food to the bear. And that that I was just kind of like, why why can't we just have the real reason why this is needs to be an important story and not not this weird bear plot but um yeah well it's because it was released in 2006 so yeah, yeah you're right you're right i mean what didn't exist back then yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> they did they did antarctica studies and they told they told that they they didn't have a global warming uh i um 
uh, Josh, is there anything else you want to get into before we move into trivia? Because I actually, it, there was a news story this week before I watched Over the Hedge that mentioned Over the Hedge, and I want to bring that up, but I didn't want to give you a chance Ooh. to add any closing thoughts. Um, yeah, so I have two more closing thoughts. Um, one, I just wanted to give space for um, the the best lines. Did anybody have any favorite lines in the movie? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> number one, well, uh, there was a visual gag that I really wanted to mention, which was um, when he opens the nacho cheese, like the Doritos, basically, and there's that whole cheese Oppenheimer thing where you're zoomed out into space. <laughs> I just yeah. I really enjoyed that. That one really got me, and I wrote it down. It's just cheese Oppenheimer, um, <laughs> and uh, that really that really got me. I I am the... become cheese, famously <laughs> said by RJ. <laughs> yeah, um, and I enjoyed the early two thousands Tuscan kitchen that she yes. has. Yes. I know that's like a random thing, but I just was like, that's so. 2000s that everyone is like Tuscany, Tuscany, Tuscany. I the want Olive to Garden. Live in it's the Olive Garden. Yes, when you're yes. there, your family. So, yeah. Um, and then as far as lines go, I wrote down, and Nathan might have as well, but it's "Curse you, plastic moldsman." Yeah. Um, <laughs> I will just... point out too that the line is, "Yeah." Not again. Those things are so lifelike. Curse you, plastic moldsman. And the guy, not again. It's just, it implies that he's been just like on the hunt, continually shooting at these fake flamingos. As if he doesn't know he's in suburbia and there's like uh, not, yeah. So good. He's the dumbest smart man. He's, oh, he is such a loser. He's such a smart little loser and I hate him. He's such a good, hateable bad guy. <laughs> yeah. uh, genuinely one of my favorite parts about this movie is watching it balance three villains better than any spider-man movie <laughs> damn that's certainly any spider-man movie with thomas hayden church in it oh <laughs> whoa Reference. um because yeah. like gladys is a presence more than vincent is but she has more on-screen build-up to her turn and uh vincent is just like a ticking clock and the Verminator shows up and just has the most on-screen presence of anyone ever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I read ball. apparently... Yeah. <laughs> I read that apparently his line about the do you have an associate's degree from VermTech was an ad-libbed line that Thomas Hayden Church just said in the studio. And they're like, oh, that's good. We're putting that in the movie. And it made the trailer, too. Yeah, like, that was tough. I think that was probably one of my favorite lines of the movie. It was so funny. And just him sniffing out and finding out the, the gender and the types of animals that he was up against was so funny little creep so, yeah 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 i also love his line too where um he's taking out Vern at the towards the end of the movie and he's like buenos dias reptile <laughs> <laughs> that, that also killed me yeah but i also have to give credit and props to this movie it's not just the visual gags but the way they came up with so many fake brands that feel like almost real things oh yeah totally like i I swear I've seen Spuddies before at a Walmart. I, <laughs> yeah. They can't not be real. <laughs> uh, there's also the, the names of the Girl Scout cookies. I don't have them in front of me, but 
a few of them were very close to real cookies that existed with the girls. Oh yeah, smackaroons. I always one remember them, that one. They one of them was called love handles. <laughs> yeah. I, I think skinny mints as well was the closest. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's now become a real cookie. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Let me Google it. Skinny mints. Yeah. But I also <laughs> want to say, I think my favorite yep. example of. Uh, wow. Wow. It's well, it's uh, not a cookie. There's a a detox tea kit. Oh, okay. And then from right. mom's organic munchies, there's skinny mint cookies. So. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I, they're there. Uh, what were you going to say, Nathan? I think my favorite example of a fake product was uh tied into the emotion of the scene which is when rj realizes that he's falling in love with these people and he's getting in too deep he's breathing into and out of a bag of onos yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was great that was great um okay so i did remember one more thing that i wanted to shout out about this movie um i love the representation of dogs in this movie just yes. the dog only saying yep. play, 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 play the entire time. I've not seen a more accurate version of a dog on screen. I see you up. I love you. Sorry. I'm going to give it to over the hedge. Um, Especially because it was like a, a, a quote unquote scary breed of dog being just truly exactly how that dog would be. Yes. Yes. Rottweilers are not, um, not menaces. They're wonderful and I love them. Um, so and cool. the, the last thing I was going to give this prop, this movie props about was in regards to just how ahead of its time it was with the slow-mo super speed sequence mm. um, towards yes. the end of the movie, because people were just absolutely, um, I'm going to use an expression here, slobbing on the knob of Brian Singer after the release of Days of Future Past in regards to... Why would you say um, that? It, oh, sorry. Uh, the guy that directed X-Men 2. They were slobbing on the knob of the guy that directed no! X-Men 2. Um, and just because he made a, a slow-mo scene and it's like, yeah, that scene's kind of great, but you got to give props to the OG. This movie showed super speed back in 2006 and it's really, really funny. <laughs> it's a, yeah. a super good representation of super speed. And I feel like every other movie is like, uh, we're either just going to show in a split second, all the things that happen, or we're going to show the world slow down. And it's like, they've been stuck between those two things. There's no other ways to show super speed in movies, but this movie did it first. So I will give it its props. Yeah. They did the perfect split between showing what Hammy was doing and then the showing the surprises of what hammy did and that was perfect that you're like of course you would do that of course he would do that and then after you were like oh he did that that's perfect mm -hmm. it's just mm -hmm. yeah i won't spoil what it is in case nobody's seen the 2006 hit over the hedge yet it is truly one of the greatest scenes in all of cinema <laughs> um great that was all that i had to say left about the the movie before we get into the trivia and the bruce willis stuff i do have a minor uh thing i would like to point out about this movie uh take uh, it away uh more from a writing standpoint one of the things that comes up with frustrating plots is in plots where a father and a daughter are not connecting on an emotional level often the way a movie will solve it is by introducing a love interest with whom the father can fight instead 
Uh, examples are like Hotel Transylvania, where uh, they introduce Johnny so that's Dracula and he can argue instead of Dracula arguing directly with Mavis. And this movie is at least better than those movies because it doesn't do that. Yeah. Yeah, I like their. I liked all the family relationships in this movie. The, um, the oh god, why am I blanking on his name? What the hell? Eugene Levy, the Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara relationship with their kids, and then also the um, William Shatner and Avril Lavigne relationship. I thought, I thought all those read well. Stacked cast. Yes. Stacked cast indeed. I have a fun fact of my own. I looked up what Tiger's name meant, because uh, his name is Tigerius Mahmoud Shabazz. And I looked it up. Uh, Tigerius is obviously just Tiger. Um, but Mahmoud obviously, means, I don't know. I didn't Google that. I just am assuming. <laughs> um, uh, Mahmoud means praiseworthy. And Shabazz means beautiful, handsome, intelligent, protected by Allah, self-confidence, and respectful. So he's just a beautiful little boy. <laughs> that is a great name. <laughs> oh, man. It is, per- it is Persian, for you see, I am Persian. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kendrick, go ahead. <laughs> um well, we got more to talk about over the hedge, but before we dive into trivia, we're going to take a quick break. Hey everyone, this is Josh. Thanks again for listening. If you are interested in supporting us financially, you can go to anchor.fm slash willis dash way slash support. All right, back to the episode. Okay, so couple things that I want to talk about trivia-wise in this movie. So, recently, there was a phenomenon known as a Steve. And it is apparently what is known as a backronym, where they came up with the word and then made it into an acronym. And it stands for Strong Thermal Emission Velocity Enhancement. And it is similar to an Aurora Borealis in that it causes lights in the sky based on uh, solar activity. But the phrase comes from this movie where they come up to the hedge and they don't know what it's called and they decide to call it Steve. And now that it's like <laughs> the official name for this solar event is a Steve. And I had heard about this last week or, or a couple weeks ago and I was like, wait, over the hedge, isn't that the next movie we're doing? <laughs> um, and then so I watched this movie, I was like, wow, there it is. And what's funny is when you Google, uh, I don't know how popular of a, a term this is because when you google over the hedge steve it just talks about how they called it steve the hedge steve because of steve carell um that's what most Knew of it. the like that's what most of the writing on the internet is when it when you look up over the hedge and steve but there is an article on usa today from uh november 6th of this year talking about how steve 2024 is going to be a good year for auroras and maybe steves um, so <laughs> Are you Steve's hell of a there. horoscope? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, there, so while auroras are caused by electrons and protons, Steve's were the first officially identified in 2018 are caused by ribbons of hot gases, um, mm. which, you know, I love to be caused by hot gases. But uh, uh, yeah, Josh, you got any other good trivia for us? No, no other trivia. Are you uh, ready to get into the Star Trek connection? Uh, yeah, and I really just 
like the, it's pretty obvious William Shatner, but I am embarrassed to say I did not recognize him until the movie was over. And I was like, wait, that was William Shatner. Um, I was like one of his best roles taken away by all the other voice actors, but I was did not put it together. And even like uh, reflecting, there's that moment where they make fun of how William Shatner talks. Uh, like, how did I not put it together? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I mean, he is uh, he is among giants within the comedy world in this movie. And obviously Bruce Willis, who isn't necessarily the most well-known for comedy, but obviously a comedian in his own right. Um, so yeah, I can totally see him getting overshadowed. But yeah, I think I think he's great in this movie. He's really funny. <laughs> um, it is our first uh, Star Trek connection that goes back to the original series in a while. I think we haven't had that in a hot second. So it's kind of fun getting to get one of those. And I kind of wonder too, how many more we're going to have from the original series. Like I'm sure that they're going to pop up every once in a while, but actually getting one that is the OG captain is really, really a treat within this movie. Um, and I'm kind of sad that to think that like, Oh, we probably won't get one with like Nimoy or anything like that. It's unlikely that there's going to be too many more OG crossovers unless they're playing like some random minor character or whatever. So it's kind of fun getting him to do this. Yeah, it's like 40 years out from when, you know, they first started when they first launched Star Trek. So it's, it's yeah. Definitely... No, I will for sure send an email if it turns out that there's someone else from the original series. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that there was one in um, 12 Monkeys. I think there was somebody that was connected to the original series. Um, oh my gosh, why am I blanking on his name? He was also in um, the old Batman series. He played the Riddler, and he's a great actor. Oh, and Frank, I... Frank Gorshin? Yeah, 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 Frank Gorshin. Yeah. We were just he was looking in Star up that Trek. cast. Yeah, so... Definitely, definitely a um, dying breed, the original series. Yeah. All right. I'm going to get into the box office numbers for this movie. So this movie was made with a budget of $80 million back in 2006. And the box office for this movie was... Um, Three hundred and thirty nine million dollars. So it made a profit of two and a half million dollars. Sorry, two hundred and fifty million dollars, um, which is a great ROI. Um, one of the most successful Bruce Willis movies in a hot second. Actually, the most successful Bruce Willis movie since The Sixth Sense. Um, by um, so, by overall gross or by percentage? Oh, by percentage, that's kind of a different question. Let's see here. So by percentage, it is a yeah, it's the best one since uh, since the sixth sense. Um, pretty similar ROI to um, uh, Die Hard three. So kind of in that range, but yeah, kind of cool getting to see Bruce Willis coming back and it being the money uh, that he was throughout the nineties. Cause he was like dependable money for a while. And then the two thousands really shook things up with what audiences were expecting. And so um, definitely a little bit less reliable of a moneymaker now, 
um, in this era that we're covering. But yeah, super, super fascinating getting to see him just rake in the cash. And this movie has like Bruce Willis starring Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis performs as RJ. So they are riding, riding on his coattails. Yeah. And he is like the biggest character in the movie. I think he gets the most screen time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and is this his last like animated voice work or is he uh, is there more after this? He is in Lego, the Lego movie, two, And I don't believe that that's on our docket of movies that we're covering. Um, So I think that this is the last animated movie of his that we are covering. Um, just because I think that that's a pretty minor part. It is possible that we have that in the docket. I'd have to go look again, but yeah. And then he was also in one episode of the Orville, um, but I don't imagine oh. that we're going to be covering that what, either. What was his role in Lego Movie 2? Do you have that up? Uh, Bruce Willis voice. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I don't I d- I d- think that um, that cameos technically count because I'm looking. I just Googled Bruce Willis movies and it's not popping up. As wow. like a... So I well, think the way that's definitive it, right there. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah how could you argue everything. with that? Wow. He just he cameos as a Lego version of himself. Yeah. It's very funny. I haven't seen that movie in a long time, so I don't think I actually have seen the second one. So I haven't. Maybe either. we should cover it in that case. When when did it come out? 2018, 2019. Well, that's when I came out too. <laughs> And you didn't was, use the Lego Movie Toots as your vehicle. I I was uh, like I, I was really confused for a half second. I'm like, you were born in 2001. <laughs> I'm only five years old. Wow, your enunciation is impressive. Thank you. All right. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> thank you guys for joining us. Um, that's uh, all the time that we have for today. So we are going to catch you guys uh, next week or next time we record with an episode of um, coverage on the upcoming movie. Uh, Kendrick, do you have anything left to say before we end the podcast? Uh, nope, that's it. I was uh, excited to get to this movie because I knew you had a special point place in your heart, but I uh, had a good time. It was good talking with everybody. Good, good, good. Um, so now that I have covered everything that we ever covered in an episode of Where There's a Willis, There's a Way, we can There's, go ahead yep. and sign off. We've said every possible phrase that's been said. No permutation of words spoken otherwise. Uh, be careful, guys. You got might get an email about this. <laughs> Josh. Yeah. I hate to break it to you. What? You made a mistake. I did? Yeah, you did. No way. No way. Uh, you let Nathan correct you IRL. Oh. <laughs> Free email. <laughs> do we uh do we then have to hear out what his complaint is? Yeah. Is there something we're missing, Nathan, that you might need to remind us of? Yeah, according to my analysis. Uh, there's a phrase and an action you need to take at this portion of the episode. Oh, you're referring to the wheel of Willis. 
Oh, yeah. the Wheel of Willis. Yeah. Right. Yes, the Wheel of Willis. It wheels around. Willisly. Everyone mm-hmm. knows about Andrew Jackson's 3,500 pound Wheel of Willis. So it's time for us to, uh, to do the thing that we, uh, we've said every time that we've, uh, we've touched it since Andrew Jackson gave it to us. Yeah, I, this Andrew Jackson thing's new to me, so we'll talk about that later. But yeah, that's really problematic. Yeah, <laughs> it's um, mostly just because yeah. Kendrick's old enough for that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Look, just because we Andrew Jackson and I went to school together doesn't mean that I'm that old. But anyway, you still get a physical newspaper. We can't gloss over that. You still get a physical newspaper. What do you mean? Still, anyone can do it. It's it's a free it's a free country. And you're old. Yeah, it's not like only old people read the newspaper. Uh, Josh, help me out here. <laughs> we always say, Whisk that wheel. That sounded atrocious. All of my work of balancing just is thrown out. Yeah, Josh, yeah. Talk about peaking. <laughs> Okay. All right. This is this is a great question. I'm so excited that we got this one. <laughs> All right. So Bruce Willis's character now has two thumbs on each hand. How does this change the film? <laughs> Who sent that in? I don't know. There's no credit attached to it. Maybe because oh, no. they didn't want us to know. <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, I'll start. I'll start. So I'm going to say that because he's a atrocity, people realize that there's probably nuclear waste in the area and the neighborhood evacuates. But it works out for everybody because there's a lot of food left. Uh, the good ending. Uh, Nathan, how about you? Um, I would say he would use because raccoons don't normally have thumbs. I would say he would use all those thumbs to commit many crimes. All the wait, he just has two, right, Josh? Or does it say two he's on each, two on each hand? Two on each hand, so he's got eight yeah. thumbs. Wait, I think wait, the writer. Oh, oh, <laughs> I think we're gonna need a scientist to come in here to find what hand is. I think we need a scientist to come in here and assess whether or not Kendrick's got old people's disease. Oh, okay, okay, all right, Hannah. How many thumbs do you have on each of your hands? Because I only have one thumb per hand. I have one thumb and it's pointed downwards. Josh. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know. I don't know what this question means. I think the writer was assuming that it's normally a human. And they're like, oh, there's extra thumbs. But it's even so, pl- even so, if it's diehard, he's just like well, Holly, what do you want me to do? I'm just a regular guy with two thumbs on each hand. Like, but it doesn't change the movie at all. Who's got four total thumbs? This guy. Yeah. <laughs> I think, honestly, I may have written that while I was working nights and like a little bit delirious. And wishing you probably had extra thumbs. Yeah, to type more space bars. Yeah. And we're just coming here to ask. You're consistently putting two sets of spaces between uh, all your words. <laughs> it's making all the documents really long. It's just double spacing, but you don't have to click the button for it. You just use your thumbs. 
All right. I think he would do crimes and bully people with his thumbs. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Um, that is just uh super duper. <laughs> <laughs> super duper. Um, if you guys uh, want to follow us, you can check out all of our work over on Apple Podcasts, and then uh, we'll every once in a while read out reviews on the air. So if you want to leave us a little piece of feedback. Go ahead and let us know, and we are happy to um, give it a second thought and then immediately incorporate it because we apparently have zero vetting process. We take questions about multiples of thumbs and we add it to the list. So if you send no in something, asked. yeah, no questions asked, we'll go ahead and yes and that shit. I'd like to see the email you would write to ask clarifying questions about it, to be honest. Well, actually, we have a template ready to go. So you just fill in the blanks and then crumple it up into a ball and throw it in the trash. My favorite way to play Mad Libs. Wait, we have a template for emails that we get? Yes. Yes, so we you, do. <laughs> you've been making up emails that we get just to, oh. to fool oh, me? I've been, I've been Nathan this whole time. This has been a tremendously big headache of an episode to record having to switch back and forth between my two personas. Wow. It's completely insane how much I had to learn ventriloquism for this episode. Wow. Wow. Wait, you and had I, to learn it, Nathan? Or, uh, or Josh I, had to learn it? I, Josh, had to learn it. I, Josh, am playing both roles right now. Whoa. And I'm, I've been an extension of Kendrick this yes, whole time. Right. You've been my younger self. Yes, and I'm so mean to me. Mm -hmm. Yuck, 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 yuck. Yeah. The, the hardest barbs you have are I read the newspaper. And I'm also, oh, I'm Kendrick and I'm really old. And I can't help when I was born because I'm old. Uh, someday you'll be talking on a podcast with someone a fraction of your age mentioning an activity you do in a negative sense, and you um, too will feel slandered. Uh, um, actually, anybody all... could be a fraction of anybody else's age. Wait a minute, I was going to say that. Well, I wanted to beat you to it, because Kendrick was talking to me. Okay. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my Sorry. god. I, I just get this way around my family. It's so weird that I'm getting this way around you guys. <laughs> Total strangers. <laughs> Yeah, and just a really big fan. All right. All right. Um, thank you for listening to Where There's a Willis There's a Way. You can follow us at Willis Way Pod on X, Insta, and TikTok. We are hardly ever posting on X. Sometimes I will remember to post about our episodes, but truly, good God, that fucking website. Alternatively, it's worse every day. Us. I know. It somehow does. It's just like. Elon Musk is like, well, uh, we actually realized that um, Nazis were a um, number of high-performing content creators, so we've boosted them in the algorithm uh, because I'm promoting free speech. So that's my Elon Musk impression. I will be performing stand-up at the Crystal Ballroom on February 28th. So catch me wow. there. Wow. Um, February 31st? <laughs> Sorry, sorry. February 29th is when I will be performing in that. Um, oh, fuck. Actually, no. There February is 30th. There is one next year. 
<laughs> All right, we'll see you then. Joshua, okay. I didn't, book, I didn't see your booking email come through. <laughs> Witness, How'd you get that and I not know? Witness as we live try to workshop a joke into obscurity. Yay! Yay. Um, <laughs> thanks, uh, Nathan and Hannah, for joining us. Uh, is, are either of you on the internet in a way that you want the internet to know? And by that, I mean, do either of you have things you want to plug or or talk about in ways that you want to talk about now? I have things I want to plug. Um, it's uh, nothing specific. It's actually, no, it is specific. It's just not on the internet. Uh, be kind to yourself. Be kind to others. Volunteer, donate, invest in your community, support a local small business, thank a gay person, and stay sexy. That's your Instagram handle? Wow. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was uh, it was really difficult, and I had to do a bunch of abbreviations. Any oh. underscores or <laughs> capitalization I should know about? Uh, I'm just trying to find yeah. you. I'm having a hard time. <laughs> Spelled as it sounds. Okay. It takes so long to search for them. B is in boy, E, K is in kite, I, N is in Nancy, D is in dog. Okay. All right. Uh, Nathan, where can we find your work? Well, after that lovely message for Hannah, I would like to plug my fanfiction. I write it on Archive of Our Own under the name Saved 8D. That is S-A-V-E-D, the number 8D. My newest title is A Triangle Rotated 180 Degrees, and it is about the Legend of Zelda. Awesome. What other, uh, what other stuff have you been writing on there? Any other, any other specialties? Uh, I put up a couple novels that I wrote for NaNoWriMo under the names of The Colors of Morality Between Light and Dark and Revolution Rising. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for plugging those. Yeah. My most well-known work is A Stranger Comes to Town. A Stranger Comes to Town. Does that take place in any reality that I've heard of or is it just regular reality? DC Comics. Okay, great. The, the Die Hard 3 universe? <laughs> yeah what other diehard would there be um and you can find me on x or what remains of it and blue sky the better one at joshing carter and my instagram is prov josh and you can find me on blue sky and mastodon and the internet K Martinix, K M A R T I N I X. Now, before we take off into this dark night, we're going to leave you all with a tasty, sweet, delicious final treat. This is a little thing that's not Bruce Willis related, but we just want to recommend or talk about. Um, Hannah, do you have a sweet treat for us? Yes. Um, you should watch. A flag means death because it's a good gay good pirate show. Yeah, it's just it's it's a pretty quick watch too. It's a really good time, and it's not as frustrating to watch as Good Omens. I love Good Omens, but Neil Gaiman. Yep. You're uh, so a little uh, cut into the to the oh. the background here is I saw your Discord photo was from Good Omens and my my. <laughs> Book club just watched and read Good Omens, both seasons of Good Omens, and mm -hmm. uh, it, it is uh, yeah, it would be good to discuss sometime. So maybe we'll do a bonus chit chat where we talk about Good Omens because uh, there are a lot of things that I could say. 
yeah. But thank you. Uh, Our Flag Means Death, I, I have seen the first season. I've been meaning to start the second season, and I did enjoy it. Uh, Nathan, what do you have? Uh, I would like to recommend the last uh, fiction book I managed to finish, which is Embassy Town by China Mieville. It's about mm. an alien species that speak a language that can only be truthful and can be only be spoken by two people speaking at once. It is a book that I managed to finish to stop not being interested the entire time because it became so fascinating. <laughs> Glowing review. Uh, is this the only China Mieville book you've read? Uh, it's the first I managed to finish. Uh, there was another one, I think it was The Unchosen Hero or something like that. I have read Embassy Town, and I've read several others, and I've struggled through all of them. But Embassy Town is, uh, is a great recommendation. That's probably the one I've liked the most. Josh, what about you? Um, I just wanted to shout out um, something I've been devoting some time to. There's a lot of TV to consume. And through it all, cuts. Game of the year, Baldur's Gate 3. I just First I've heard of it. First, I've, <laughs> first, we're, first we've heard about it here on the pod. I just wanted to recommend it. Um, again, in case you guys haven't heard about it, it's the best game ever. Um, but no, my actual recommendation is another thing that I've already recommended and I will continue recommending it until every single person on the world has watched it. And it is the Harley Quinn show on max. It is so, so funny. Great homage to Batman. Um, really respects the ethos of what the Batman series is and uh, should be within the greater context of uh, society at the time and is so, so funny, super stacked cast, just absolutely an incredible time. I have enjoyed every single moment that I've spent with it. And there's a lot of people that are just total haters, just a bunch of sweaty haters that think that any show that features a woman is bad and, the more sweaty haters we can have out there screaming that no, actually women deserve to have TV shows written about them, the better. So count me in. Harley Quinn. Uh, as someone who sweats a lot, I don't like being uh, I feel like haters can be sweaty or non-sweaty. So just let's, let's be clear. Just sweating. <laughs> I think the main, I think the main point of it is that Harry uh, is that Harry sweaty haters could be feminists or misogynists. Mm, yeah. Kendrick, just worry about the hating part. The sweating part is between you and your doctor. Okay. All right. I don't know who to talk to about all the hating. Um, <laughs> my my sweet treat, I have two because I have that much to give tonight. Two. The first one, pizza. Man, who doesn't like pizza? And if you don't like pizza, I don't want to know about it. But pizza is great, and there are so many types of pizza and delicious pizza. I could just talk about pizza all the time. Uh, pizza yeah, is awesome. Banana pizza. If you are listening to this, just get yourself some pizza. Uh, doesn't matter, you know, Domino's, fancy pizza, make, you know, uh, frozen pizza. It's all good. Um, my second recommendation is a show that I am re-watching. And for the most of my life, I've not been someone who re-watches things or re-reads things because I feel like I don't have time for that. There's too much other stuff to do. I don't want to revisit something but i finally come around on the concept of a comfort watch and some people have i know if, uh, someone whose comfort watches the gilmore girls some people's comfort watches are you know harley quinn for some reason but 
my comfort watch I'm realizing is the TV show Twin Peaks. Uh, that is like such a vibe that emulates my, it's just like on my wavelength and I'm rewatching the first season right now. And I'm just constantly, you know, this is probably like the sixth time I've seen this season and shocked at how great this show is. So that's Twin Peaks. That's awesome. Where can you find uh, Twin Peaks again? Uh, so I think it's on Paramount Plus. I'm not totally sure uh, how. It's one of those things where I have like the channels. You know, you have like Showtime and Paramount Plus mm -hmm. and and all all your what's its and who's its. Um, but I'm watching it. I think on Paramount Plus. Nice, nice. I've been meaning to watch it. We'll see if I get a chance to work through all this content and catch a episode or two because I know that it's a big show for you so and many yeah. others yeah man it is so so bananas i don't even i can't even describe how bananas it is uh okay well that's gonna do it for this episode of where there's a willis there's a way thank you for listening and have a great life next episode we're gonna be covering the movie Fast Food Nation. And I also know nothing about this movie, so I'm very excited. You could say goodbye now for real. I You kept highlighting that, and I was, like, scrolling right over it uh, in my brain. <laughs> so I thought I was just, like, saying goodbye and goodnight and good luck. But uh, Goodbye, goodnight, and good luck. <laughs> oh, yes, it's fun time. Put a fucking bow on that.